and we welcome you to another edition of Gateway to Baseball Heaven. I'm your host, Daniel Shoptoff, C70 at the bat at C70. No, wait, yeah, at C70 on Twitter. Sometimes I have to stop and think about what I'm saying. <laughs> Very rarely, but occasionally. With me, as always, Tara Wellman, Birds on the Black, at Tara Wellman on Twitter. Um, one thing I don't have to stop and think about, Tara, is all the moves that the Cardinals have made this winter because still no moves. Um, even with winter warm-up coming, you know, we're at that weekend where usually we get some some sort of news and stuff. It's just really, 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 really quiet. It's so quiet that I almost keep forgetting that there's baseball that supposedly is happening-ish in some places. Like, are we sure? <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's it's not a great offseason as far as entertainment value if you're a Cardinals fan. It's not a compelling offseason if you are someone who wondered how the Cardinals would put themselves in perhaps better position in the NL Central because they've sort of almost kind of done that by not doing anything. And that's not really an interesting story to tell. So coming into winter warm-up, I will be completely honest, I've had other projects going on this week and haven't had time to pay much attention to what was said or what wasn't. But I would be shocked if there was anything that came out of winter warm-up this week that I felt was either surprising or particularly interesting because there's nothing to say other than, well, I guess this is what we've got, so let's try to win games. I, I don't know. I don't even know at this point what you do to try to make it seem interesting because there just hasn't been anything to share, anything to really talk about. Yeah. And it, even winter warmup is it's different this year, of course, because mm -hmm. of the COVID restrictions and things like that. They've put together some panels, which are, I haven't, I didn't pay to watch them. Um, so I don't know for sure. I know we've got some, some bloggers that are covering it and have written, read some of their stuff. They sound like they were interesting panels. Uh, you know, a, kind of a reunion of the 2011 team or some parts of it. Um, some different things like, you know, talking to the infielders, talking to Nolan Gorman and Matthew Libertor together. Uh, I'm sure there's lots of interesting little nuggets up there, but it's very packaged to the point that there's nothing that's going to be new coming out of that. There's not a media scrum in front of John Mosellock or Matt Carpenter or whoever else may be there. And, and not that those guys don't have their answers down anyway, but at least occasionally you can find out something like, you know, Matt Carpenter put on 20 pounds in the winter or something of that nature, you know, um, things that are at least somewhat get you interested for this coming season. And that's not even there. So, you know, it's, it's gotta be very hard. It feels to me very hard. And, and you, I think you're in the same boat to get excited about, 2021 baseball we don't know when fans are going to be there apparently we're all going to just stick to the schedule which sounds kind of crazy to me um but in then that's a cardinals team that may win the division just because they have 26 men on the roster and not everybody else does i mean that's kind of what it feels like <laughs> 
Yeah, well, to be clear, if your highlight of the 2021 winter warm-up to hype up fans for your baseball season is the 2011 reunion, (laughs) I think that tells you everything you need to know. It tells you that, yes, something really cool happened 10 years ago, and that's a great story, and it's a great memory, and it was a great team. It tells you absolutely nothing about where the the Cardinals are a decade later, other than to say the most interesting things they could come up with are to talk about two prospects who have not made major league debuts, talking about how they were friends and, you know, maybe some infielders talking about how they feed off of each other or what they've learned from each other or, you know, whatever. Again, I didn't listen to all the panels. My point is these are not compelling this is what we have to work with this season. Let's get everyone hyped about it kinds of conversations. They might be interesting in their own right, but if that's the best you have to offer in terms of, hey, everyone, here's why you should watch baseball in 2021, it just means you don't really have that much to go on. And I I realize I'm sounding incredibly pessimistic, uh, <laughs> but I also realize there's not a lot you can do with so many questions unanswered as far as positions or even, you know, roster spots or timelines or dates or fa- there's still there's still so much that they just cannot, you know, pu- make public in terms of what's going to happen. Because none of us know what's going to happen two weeks from now, much less what's going to happen, you know, two months from now when we should be talking about getting ready for for, uh, an exciting baseball season. But it just hammers home the point that this has been one of the most excruciatingly silent off seasons that has been highlighted really only by Yadier Molina being a little bit dramatic on Instagram. Like, that's it. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, which is, I mean, it's something. I mean, yeah. Jody, you know, having some free time, and if Jody has free time, then Instagrams, you got to keep an eye on it. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, Tara, I think even with all, I mean, we're fairly cognizant of all the issues that are going on with baseball right now and everything of that nature. But I still think that if you had told us when the season ended that we would be at winter warm up, and not only would Yadier Molina and Adam Wainwright both be free agents. It doesn't sound like anything's imminent. I mean, we haven't even heard about the Cardinals talking to these guys in like, what, a month or something like that? I mean, not that they haven't been, but we haven't heard anything about it. I mean, granted, news comes out of nowhere, and maybe tomorrow, you know, they sign Wainwright to a, a deal. But for the most part, this feels like it could drag all the way into spring training, which is less than a month away from now. Yeah. And what's crazy is that as much as we keep talking about, why haven't the Cardinals signed them? Neither has anybody else. Mm -hmm. So it's not like we're seeing just dozens and dozens of rumors about Adam Wainwright or Yadier Molina or even Colton Wong and where they might end up. So either everyone has decided to make this the off season where no rumors get out (laughs) Or there's really not that much movement anywhere. And I guess in that sense, look, I realize it's not just the Cardinals that have been pretty quiet this offseason. There have been a handful of teams that have done things that made any sort of headlines. And no, the Cardinals are not one of them. But it's not as if they're they're up against this feeling like there's a clock, right? Where if they don't have them... Signed. If they don't have contracts figured out by four days from now, somebody else is going to swoop in and steal them. And we don't even know at this point if 
the Cardinals even want to bring those guys back, right? Not really. They can make public statements about how much they mean to the organization and yada, yada, yada. But if there's not action to back that up, we don't really know what they're wanting to do unless uh, you could say, which I think we can, that they don't want to spend any money that they don't have to spend. And that's why everyone's sort of at this standstill. Yeah, it's it's almost... <laughs> Baseball is almost in one of those Mexican standoffs where everybody's pointing yeah. at everybody else, uh, just daring somebody to spend a little bit of money. We've seen it occasionally. You know, even this week we saw the Yankees get uh, DJ LeMahieu back and go ahead and get uh, Corey Kluber. You know, maybe those are the kind of things that that shake things loose a little bit, especially for the fact of you know for Colton Wong, who might be able to now know what the market is going to look like for him. Um, but, you know, again, it's just you get to this point and it's like, I mean, literally, if we don't, you know, if the Cardinals have to DH this year, who's that going to be? Um, can't be Matt Carpenter because he's got to play third. Um, you know, it's that kind of stuff that that we don't really. Of course, we also don't know if there's going to be a DH this year. We don't know if there's going to be extra playoff teams. We don't know really anything about 2021 baseball except that the fact it's supposed to start in like i said less than a month <clears throat> when pitchers and catchers start showing up in jupiter from what i understand jamal Lazalek is talking about 70 or 80 players in camp um you know again it, it's very interesting to see that when <sighs> transmission rates and things of that nature were so much less last year and it shut everything down mm-hmm. um now we've kind of guessed we've kind of got to the point that we know what we're doing and there's a vaccine coming and we'll just, you know, we're not going to risk losing more games. I, I don't know what the deal is, but it seems very strange to me that they're going just kind of going full steam ahead here without any kind of hesitation. Yeah, it really does. And it's look, I understand how hard it is to figure out how to plan for anything right now. And there's a lot riding on the business side of these teams putting a season together. There's a lot riding on the athletic side of it, right? You have talk about the the effects of missing a season. Look at the minor leagues and the fact that so many of those players went without the necessary development to push them forward in their career. And, you know, nobody wants to lose that kind of time in what is ultimately a pretty short window to be a professional athlete, right? Mm -hmm. It's not like they just have all the time in the world. Mm -hmm. And so there's a lot at stake in trying to make it happen. There's a lot of pressure to try to make it happen in a way that's safe, but that also is, you know, seen as a, a reasonable compromise, but it does put everyone at some level of risk when there's so many unknowns still. And yes, a vaccine coming is great. Is it going to be uh, available enough by next month that spring training as usual is the smart choice? I, I would not bet on it (laughs) but weirder things have happened so it's just such an uncomfortable situation to watch as no one knows what the right decisions are in that regard but then that trickles down and affects decisions that are made about payroll because are we going to have fans are we not going to have fans and then that affects what a roster looks like and then that affects the level of talent that Mike Schultz has to work with on a daily basis and then that affects you know prospects and how they are seen in the system it just it, it starts 
at the top and and really just impacts every part of this puzzle. And look, to not give front offices too much cover because of COVID, let's be clear and say, you know, they might do some things because they have to with the current circumstances, but they're always looking for ways to save money anyway. And this just sort of exaggerates the climate that was already developing in baseball where we'll just wait it out until these athletes don't have a choice but to sign for less than they think they're worth or less than they wanted or a less than ideal contract. And then we as the front office stay in control and they as the players have to just deal with it. Yeah, which is a really great thing to do in the last year of a CBA. Yeah. Um, that's just wonderful. Um, you know, speaking of the business side of things, the Cardinal, the one little bit of Cardinal news this week was the fact that the Cardinals agreed with three of their four arbitration eligible um, players. They signed Alex Reyes to a one-year deal to avoid arbitration. They signed Jordan Hicks to one. Um, and Harrison Bader got $2 million. Um, you know, leave that alone. Um, <laughs> but the one person that they didn't agree to terms with was Jack Flaherty. They offered 3 million. He owned 3.9. Um, you know, a lot of times these kind of things meet in the middle. Sometimes it takes this to meet in the middle before a tri- uh, an actual hearing. Um, it's possible the Cardinals could look to, um, you know, a long-term contract. But given how Jack Flaherty has been very keenly aware of the business of baseball and the fact that he has forced the Cardinals to renew his, his contract at, you know, their late, that, at the levels that they can do without agreeing to it, um, I feel like this one's going to go to trial. And I don't think this is a – I. I don't think this is a thing where Jack Flaherty doesn't like the Cardinals. I think Jack Flaherty would be doing this no matter what team he was on. Right. Yeah. I think we've seen that made very clear by Jack Flaherty that, look, this is a guy who's aware of the market of baseball and is not going to be taken advantage of. And as a young player willing to kind of step up and make that case, not only for himself, but really to set a precedent for those coming up behind him as well. And he's spoken to that in addition to just looking out for himself. It says a lot about how confident he is that his game is going to speak for itself. And, you know, for the most part, I think it has. There were certainly some frustrations last year, and I I think that had a lot to do with the weirdness of the season overall more than anything. But Jack Flaherty knows what he has to offer, and I think the team has made quite clear how they perceive his value in terms of what he means to the the future of this Cardinals team. And I can't really blame him for saying, look, I understand this business now, and my eyes are opened to what y'all are trying to do, and I'm not going to be taken advantage of or manipulated into a situation that isn't good for me. So he's taken less money to make a point multiple times. And I can't really fault him for standing on that principle that he feels so strongly about. Look, I think that the Cardinals want Jack Flaherty and Jack Flaherty wants to pitch there. But I also think that Jack Flaherty would be just as confident in in his success if he ended up somewhere else later on down the road as well. That's just who Jack Flaherty is. Without all the negative connotations that this is going to bring up because of off the field things and such of that nature, 
it really kind of feels like Jack Barity, Jack Flaherty is following a bit in the footsteps of Trevor Bauer in that regard. Um, because Bauer has been pretty adamant about doing one-year contracts, trying to maximize his salary. We'll see if that holds out now that he's a free agent. Um, and, and maybe that kind of player has inspired a, a next generation of people to, you know, really get what they can get um, instead of just being happy to be here. Yeah, it's true. And I think Jack Flaherty is kind of the product of that. I don't want to say it's a generational transition in mindset from players, but there certainly is an awareness, uh, an education and understanding of the system more now. And that's not, to be fair, that's not to say, you know, the Adam Wainwrights and the Chris Carpenters and, you know, go back as far as you want, didn't understand the system but the the ownership has perhaps advanced a little more quickly in their way of working the system than the players did. And, you know, we've talked about this before and everything that had to happen in order to change some of the rules, um, you know, around how ownership could manipulate time or contracts or eligibility for other contracts and you know the the legality of a lot of that has often favored the front offices and i think there are enough players kind of not only wising up to it now but recognizing that this is a generation that has a platform where they can sort of rally support without the front office having any mm-hmm. say in it and it gives them a little bit of boldness i think for better or worse in terms of w- being willing to voice their opinion standing on what they think the principle is that should be followed and then dealing with the, the consequences good or bad from that choice. It also, I mean, this is the, maybe this, the real first real generation since the, the analytics sabermetric revolution um, to really come up and, and, and have a grasp of these things. They've grown up with things like war and, um, WRC plus and, and all these, they, they know that their value isn't necessarily measured by wins and losses in an ERA. Um, they know how to speak the statistical language as you were, and that kind of, you know, they're going to be able to hold their own with a front office in that regard. And so that's, it's interesting to see how, you know, that might be an issue as we get into the CBA negotiations and things like that with, of players, and again, players have never just kind of taken what they've been given, for sure. I mean, the, the history of baseball is littered with strikes and things of that nature as the, as players have fought for what they believe they are owed. Um, but it feels like they're even on more even ground now with the other side because they're actively involved with their future instead of maybe handing it over to a, you know a Donald Fear or a Marvin Miller or something like that. Yeah, it's true. And I, I think there's, look, the the youth, the young guys, however far you want to push that, right? Because I think to some extent, Colton Wong is right at the border of that, where he's made his own case a number of times for what he feels like is is right uh, in terms of maybe, maybe post Mike Matheny, um, but nonetheless... <laughs> 
he's never really been in the position that Jack Flaherty was in to kind of make the statement that he made. But I think that the way he's handled this offseason without any sort of guarantees has been maybe a, a more subtle version of that, where he's basically said like, hey, look, this is great. And I, I, I loved my time here. But if you don't want me, I'm going to go play somewhere else and I'm going to play for, you know, a contract that I feel like is justifiable. And if that ends up being back with the Cardinals because it's for less money, maybe that's the case. Although I, I, I guess I should say, I do feel like Colton Wong has said, you know, maybe he would have taken a little bit less money if they just made him an offer and, mm. and they didn't. And, uh, you know, so maybe that's not a great example now that I'm thinking <laughs> it through. But um, yeah, there's there's a, a voice for these athletes in a different way than there ever has been before. And for the players to recognize the support that they have from a lot of the fans has to help give them that confidence as well. I do think it to, to play a little bit of devil's advocate, I do think it can get a little bit frustrating from a fan perspective to constantly see the bickering back and forth. And also mm -hmm. look, the generation of baseball fans that raised me were the kind that were like, no, you're loyal to your team and you want to play for your team, not just for the money. And that's not really the case anymore. So I do think it get, it can be a little bit frustrating in that light, right? Where you want to mm -hmm. see Jack Flaherty say, look, I want to play for the Cardinals because this is who I am and this is my team and this is my city and this is where I want to be. So if it means taking a little bit less money in order to play where I want to be, then I'm okay with doing that. That's just not the way that it works anymore. So I do understand a little bit of maybe that generational gap where that was the way baseball was. Look, my my dad's dad was offered a contract uh, after a, a walk-on tryout, basically, with the Cardinals, but there was no guarantee that he'd actually make it to the big leagues with the Cardinals, and he didn't want to play for anybody else. So if he wasn't going to be a big leaguer for the Cardinals, he didn't want to play baseball. That's the kind of loyalty that, you know, generations past appreciated and respected in the game of baseball that you just don't see when it's this us versus them kind of mentality on, on the contract side of things. And I don't know that I'm in a position to say what's better or worse. I, I'm very pro player in terms of, I think they're often taken advantage of and manipulated in, in many, many ways and not taken care of like they should be in a, a multi-billion dollar industry. But I also understand from just that that purest fan perspective of wanting someone to want to be there as much as you want to watch them play. And that's the 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 trade-off, right? Of the the knowledge of that analytic based generation seeing the whole thing as as numbers and dollar signs instead of kind of that sentimentality of the game that isn't there as often anymore. Well, that sentimentality is not necessarily <laughs> limited to the newest generation because we've spent all off season watching Yadier Molina um, try to figure out what team he wants to play for and, and make, you know, Instagram posts that indicate that he's, you know, perfectly willing to go wherever. Um, you know, that said, this week it was kind of, it came out in an interview that he's at least... I don't say considering, but has pondered the idea of retiring. Um, and it's a weird situation that it feels like retiring right now would 
make everybody happy. I mean, not that everybody wants Ciotti and Rolino to retire, but they don't want him to play somewhere else. <laughs> but they don't necessarily want him on the Cardinals if he's going to cost a whole lot of money. So, I don't know. I mean, it's not like everybody's pushing him to retire, but, you know, then it's like, huh, that kind of worked out. Yeah, I don't know what to make of the Yadier Molina situation other than, first of all, all the, the drama on Instagram. That's just, Yadier's a potster. He always has been. This is not new to anyone. It's just there's nothing else going on, so everyone's paying attention right now. Um, but it's also the first time that there's been any real indication that he would even consider playing anywhere else because Yadi was always the guy that basically said like, nah, I'm a Cardinal. I want to be a Cardinal. I want to retire here. I want to play here. And now all of a sudden it's like, well, but I mean, only if they pay me enough and he's not outright saying that, but that's kind of the feeling uh, underlying it all. And, and, you know, I think some of the commentary that comes through his, his brother often, translates into that sort of emotion as well so I, I don't know I think there's there's this really odd line that sometimes is hard to find between um the we want to be wise as far as the business is concerned and not put ourselves in a hole so we can't create a winning team but also this idea of, you know, respecting the player with the offer that you make or with the timeliness of it or with whatever it is. I do think that's important in terms of, you know, so everybody wants to be somewhere where they're wanted. You know, that's not really unreasonable. And I think someone with the caliber and the the legacy and the accolades that Yadier Molina has I totally understand wanting to be looked at as a valuable asset, not just a legacy signing, right? Um, but I also think that in some very real ways, we've talked about this before too, I don't think Yachty's sticking around just to stick around. And if he's not going to be somewhere where he thinks he can win, <laughs> uh, I don't know that that's really going to satisfy his desire in the game either. So, and I think the same could be said probably for Adam Wainwright, although he's just such a, a <laughs> junkie for the game that he might just want to stick around as, as long as he can. But he also has other things going on in life that, you know, may be of more interest to him if he's not going to get out of the game, what will feel as rewarding. So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot involved in that and there's a lot involved in how the, the Cardinals as an organization front office down decide what is valuable and, and how much that's worth. Um, and I think, you know, Yachty being willing to play somewhere else is probably as much him giving himself the option to think about that for the first time ever and realizing maybe, Oh, the Cardinals aren't, automatically going to make me an offer. I guess that means I have to be okay with playing somewhere else or with the idea of walking away entirely. And we've all wondered when that was going to happen. I think it would be really hard if Yachty's, if the offers that he was fielding right now all made him a part-time player, mm -hmm. I think it would be really hard for him to accept that. And he might be that kind of, of player, that kind of athlete who would rather just say, nope, I'm good. I'm going to ride off into the sunset than to 
feel like he's not himself or he doesn't have the opportunity that he feels like he still is capable of if he's being asked to play part-time. And that might be the case in St. Louis as well, right? We don't, mm-hmm. we don't know how he's going to hold up over the course of a full season. And there have been injuries, but then we also see him play every single day and both games of double headers and crazy things like that. So it might just be that he realizes if the situation isn't going to allow him to continue to be who Yadier Molina has always been, he might be happier just to close that chapter and move on. Well, and we've talked a lot about loyalty in this show and who has it, who doesn't, or or how much it matters. But I don't think you can doubt that Mike Shannon has been quite loyal to the Cardinals (laughs) um, throughout his, well, long career between playing and now into his um, announcing career. Report out this week that it looks like Shannon might be going to call it quits after this season, which would be his 50th in the booth. You know, about what, four, five, six years ago, he cut back to just home games. And I don't know. I don't listen to the radio just all that often, but I catch it in the car or whatever. In the last couple of years, especially last year, it just felt to me like he didn't really want to be there. You know, it was like, uh, of course, you know, the fact that the Cardinals were just kind of, you know, hanging around 500 might have something to do with it too, but he just didn't seem to have his normal energy or um, excitement about things. And, you know, again, 50 years plus, you know, that's after his playing career. Um, He's getting up there. I can't imagine that it's not going to cross his mind that maybe it's time to, to rest a little bit. Yeah. I think the last probably three years, Mike Shannon gets really excited about the beginning of the season. And then about halfway through, he's like, this is terrible. (laughs) I don't want to watch this every day, much less have to talk about it. And he loses a little bit of the Mike Shannon luster. Look, I have said before, he is a treasure in so many ways. I love listening to him on the radio, not to understand what's happening in the Uh game, but for the pure entertainment, whether it's of the multitude of ways he says the same name wrong over the course of a broadcast. Uh, And it's not always complicated names. Often it's just Goldsmith. Uh, which is still how he says that name every time. (laughs) Or if it's the stories that he tells or the just the way that he cracks himself up when he's talking about some ad that he's reading. I don't know. There's so much that I find absolutely charming about sort of the nostalgia of Mike Shannon and how he calls baseball games when he's, you know, when he's invested and, yeah. and actually wanting to be there. But you're right. It does. It has sounded more and more like it was just a bit of a strain and it wasn't as fun for him anymore. And as a result, it wasn't as fun for the listeners. Speaking of not fun for the listeners, um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's impossible to replace Mike Shannon just as it was basically impossible to replace Jack Buck. John Rooney has done a fairly good job uh, of, you know, filling the shoes as he could. Um, Although, you know, he wasn't the first one come through. That helps too, after a couple of others. The idea right now, apparently, is that Rick Horton would be 
the main guy or the guy. I don't know that they would do a rotation. I think it would be Rooney and Horton pretty much for every game. I don't know anybody that wants that. <laughs> no, Dude. and it's so frustrating to me to to say that because I hear only wonderful things um, about who Rick Horton is as just a human. And he seems just like an absolutely lovely person to know. And I hate, you know, even suggesting that I'm uh, enthusiastically not in favor (laughs) of that happening. But I will say I don't particularly enjoy listening to him call games. And I think there's there's some insight that he brings on occasion that is really interesting and different. But most of the time when he's calling a game, I just feel like it's too much. Yeah. It's just, it's just so much. And I don't know that that's a, a great follow-up <laughs> to Mike Shannon for those who enjoyed that broadcast. Now I will say, I, I think nationally people outside of St. Louis have for a while thought that the Cardinals radio broadcast was a disaster of anything supposed to be representing a call of a baseball game. But like I said, that's not why I liked listening to Mike Shannon. Uh, I would often listen to Mike Shannon on the radio and then have to pull up game day to see what happened. <laughs> so I understand that from sort of the outsider perspective that doesn't have the loyalty or the the sort of, like I said, nostalgia with, with Mike Shannon. Rick Horton, you know, he, he does everything, right? He does the studio, he does TV, he does radio. And I think there's something to be said for someone that people just enjoy being around that much, that he gets all of those opportunities. But I would tend to agree with you. I I don't think that he's the most enjoyable listen when he's calling a game, primarily because I just think it's it's too much all the time. And maybe if he took a step or three back sometimes yeah. and let it breathe a little more than it does, um, that would help. But, you know, I also think he's quite the contrast to Mike Shannon in terms of, Mike Shannon in the last few years has really ridden that negative wave of like, this is terrible. They're bad. I don't know why any of them are out there to the pendulum swinging the opposite direction with Mike Shannon or sorry, with, with Rick Horton where it's just sunshine and roses. And that's not always an enjoyable experience as a fan either, because if I'm watching a terrible game where Jack Flaherty is getting shellacked by the brewers or whatever it is, I don't want you to tell me how it's actually all fine. Right. <laughs> you know, this is actually really good for Jack Flaherty. Is it though? <laughs> you know, this is a, this is where they build character. Okay. But they're still going to lose. <laughs> like that's not always what I want when I'm listening to a game. So again, I, I hate even pretending that uh, there's some negative association with that because I think he's a wonderful person but not really my cup of tea as far as who I would choose to listen to doing, you know, play by play or color for the Cardinals on the radio. Yeah. I think that's kind of where I'm at right there is I think, look, the Cardinals pick the radio guys. The Cardinals have a lot of a say in the TV guys. They get that, but there's something to at least some sort of, pretense to honesty i think of you know i'm not saying they have to be you know super negative they can't be optimistic at all but you know a little bit of realism in there you're right if jack flaherty's given up six runs 
say he didn't have it, you know, and why, you know, why hasn't Mike Schilt gotten out to get him yet? Don't say, well, Mike Schilt knows that Jack Flaherty is one pitch away, you know, he's just one pitch away from getting out of this. <laughs> well, yeah, but the last three pitches just went over the wall. I mean, you know, um, again, I think that there's got to be some, some realism to that. And I don't know that Rick Horton brings that. You're right. He's a great person from all in, in indications. And when he, if he does a few games, I don't think it's that big a, a problem, but I just don't see why, except for the fact that I guess that was, that's really what it boils down to. Maybe that's it. The only reason you would say Rick Horton is going to get this job is because he doesn't say anything bad about the Cardinals who are actually writing the checks for the people that say this job, take this job. And I don't, I just don't like that too much. You know what I mean? It just doesn't feel right. And I think if you want to be dramatic about it, uh, maybe it's just a symptom of where the Cardinals have lost their way because, you know, Mm -hmm. Jack Buck, Mike Shannon, all those, they didn't, you know, they didn't pull any punches on things. They didn't, I mean, they didn't go out there and run the product down. They didn't say, oh, never come to the ballpark, you know, just stay home. These guys are terrible. Right. But they were at least like, you know, they're not playing well right now. Or, you know, what are they going to do to turn it around? And it feels like the Cardinals, I always felt like the Cardinals at least were accepting of that kind of thing, at least of that kind of allowed that self-criticism to some degree. And now it feels when you look at that, when you look at, you know, the Twitter feed, you look at MLB.com site for them, which again, and this is not just necessarily a Cardinal problem, maybe all teams problem, but it's let's put on the best pace possible and, you know, hide any sort of, you know, bad thing. You know, I don't, you and I, it was, it was back in the, oh man, I don't remember what the topic was, but it was a big topic and in the, the dispatch was covering it. It was something negative about the Cardinals. Maybe Colton Wong. Let's just say it was Colton Wong blowing up at somebody. I don't think it was, but let's say that. And everybody's talking about it. And there's not an article about it on MLB.com's <laughs> site. You know? Yeah. yeah. It, that kind of, you know, almost propaganda, I guess, to some, maybe the best word to put it. it it's, I think it's going to give you more dissatisfaction with your fan base because everybody can see through that and know that, you know, you're just <laughs> blowing smoke at, at times when it's, it, you just need to be told the truth to some degree. So I don't yeah. know. I will say we'll play the devil's advocate. If Rick Horton's going to take that job, at least it's not Mike Claiborne. <laughs> yes. Yes. Mike that would Claiborne. be less enjoyable. Wow. Listen, Mike Claiborne is fine in his interviews with the players. He mm-hmm. seems to have a great rapport with them. But if I hear one more, that's a pop-up to the show. Oh, the left fielder loses it in the corner. Yeah. <laughs> what? A pop-up to the shortstop that's the left fielder loses? I don't know what's happening right now. <laughs> yeah. Play-by-play, play and it's not... <laughs> not his forte it's not you know Um, everyone has their strengths that does not happen to be his you're right his interviews are are pretty good um but when they put him on the air you know the ratings fan usually does a you know 
crowdsourcing who, who have the best radio and then who has the best TV. And, you know, it's Cardinals have slid down over the, on both sides over, yeah. over the last few years. Um, you know, I think, but they're also, maybe it's just a symptom. They're content with what they have. and Yeah, and I do know. think you, you make a good point as far as the Cardinals' involvement in who those people are and, and to some degree what gets said, right? Because there's a lot of like company man type mm-hmm. things going on and, and it makes them less believable. It makes them seem less genuine, even if they're not. And, you know, as much as I love Brad Thompson, I very thoroughly enjoy Brad Thompson. Mm-hmm. He's, he does a little bit of that too. And sometimes I'm just like, okay, all right. All right, BT, come on now. <laughs> you know, that was bad. I know that was bad. You're allowed to say that it was bad. <laughs> um, but you know, it's he, hard. Yeah. It's hard yeah. when you, you're employed by the company that you're supposed to be analyzing, um, you know, and in such a very public way. So I, I don't know how you balance that correctly, but I don't think it's being balanced correctly right now. Yeah. And to be fair, I mean, for Brad Thompson and Ricky Horton, you know, I think they're generally positive people. I mean, it's yeah. not. Yeah. It's, it's not, not a put that, on. It's just... Right. It's not like the Cardinals came and said, okay, you can't say anything bad about this team if you want this job, they're naturally going to look for that. Right. It's just the fact that the Cardinals say, Oh wow, we can get Rick Horton. Who's not going to say anything bad about this team to, to be on this broadcast. So. Yeah. And it really does. It does sort of fall in line with the idea of like, what do you mean? We haven't done anything to fix this team. What do you mean? It's not good enough. What do you mean? We made the playoffs. And it's that same, that, that undertone of like, is that really all you're trying? Like, are you trying to convince me that it's good enough because I, I don't think it is. <laughs> and since when is, you know, good enough been good enough, mm-hmm. right? I mean, that's that kind of idea that we want to have the best team on the field. You want the best team you're on your media, um, things of that nature, you know, in a, in a town like St. Louis, which is, you know, baseball, is huge, but you know, it's, I don't know, maybe it's, again, it's all weird with COVID and, and things of that nature, but with the blues being well, as good as they are as of late, um, you know, soccer coming to St. Louis, there's a lot of attention being pulled away from the Cardinals, Mm -hmm. even if they're still the the big dog in town, you know, they've kind of gone on a diet a little bit, you know, and and, and that gap is not as big as it used to be. And the only way to correct that is to be willing to be self-critical. And I don't know that we see a lot of that from anywhere in the organization. And look, I I think an overriding positive outlook on things is the best choice, but you still have to be able to be self-critical when you need to be and then make adjustments from there. And that's what we don't see publicly. And it may be unfair to say it doesn't happen at all, but it definitely isn't what we see publicly, which then leaves us thinking that's the overall, you know, persona or philosophy of the team that doesn't seem to be resolving any of those issues that require maybe a more critical eye. Yeah. Um, Finally, I know we've gone a little bit long, but just a little note that I saw come across Twitter while we were recording. Um, Former Cardinal, long time former Cardinal, long time ago former Cardinal, not long time, uh, Shelby Miller signed a i don't know if it's a minor league deal or a major league deal with the cubs so there's another cardinal going to the north side of chicago um i don't know how often that actually works out 
honestly. I mean, I know, you know, Edmonds went, I guess Daniel Descalzo did okay, has done okay the last couple of years there. Um, it kind of feels like, you know, after you've had a good career in St. Louis, then you go to Chicago. I mean, granted, Shelby Miller been gone a long time. It doesn't really make the same thing. But, I mean, can you think of anybody that, you know, just didn't quite have it in St. Louis, but then, you know, blossomed in Chicago? Not often. Uh, I think there's probably been a few pitchers that were kind of lower level minor league prospects that never really turned into anything. Mm-hmm. And then they had some success in in Chicago, but not that had just these outrageous rebounds to their careers or, or anything of that nature. Yeah, I guess I mean, it wasn't the same thing. Jason Hayward went there. Yeah, that's true. But he really didn't do any. I don't think he's no. done. I mean, he, yeah, he gave a good speech. They won a World Series ring or something. But, <laughs> you know, I, I forget this stuff. But, um, you know, his his overall years, though, haven't been that much different than what he did in St. Louis, I don't think, if not yeah. worse. So, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, you get to see Shelby Miller again, maybe. And <laughs> cool. Um, there you have it. So, all right. Um, that went down some paths I didn't really expect us to take. Um, and I'm sure John Mozilla will be excited. They're giving us nothing. That's right. Mo, if you're tired of listening to us do this, make a move. We Preferably a good not- one. Otherwise, yeah. you're not going to like it any better. <laughs> We don't probably promise not to immediately dislike it. Mm-hmm. Probably. Hopefully. You know. Maybe. Uh, you've already gotten we'll rid of really long. Hard. What is, I mean, you I know. know. What else yeah, is there? <laughs> you know. There's nothing more you can do to me. That's right. <laughs> Darren, I'll be back a couple weeks, probably something, you know. Well, we're going to wait till the Cardinals make a move or spring training comes first. So <laughs> maybe it'll be a month before you hear us, but uh, we'll probably be back at some point in time. Until next time, that is Tara. I'm Daniel. Good night. Hey, Cardinals fans. Thanks for listening to this week's show. If you liked what you heard, you can find us on iTunes. Just search Gateway to Baseball Heaven under podcasts and click subscribe. While you're there, feel free to give us five of those little gold stars or even a quick review. And tune in next time as we break down another week in baseball heaven.